Well, we're back for another season of having the exact same moans that we have every week, twice a week, uh, with the odd exception when United are occasionally good. Welcome back, everyone. Yay! Score, <laughs> yes. Did um, you enjoy your break, Paul? What, what have you been yeah, doing for the last one month and two days of break? It was so nice. It was really lovely. Um, I mean, I, I've been working hard, obviously, and apart from that, in my free time, mostly playing Fall Guys and watching cricket. Playing what? The two things. Uh, Fall Guys, which uh, is the most downloaded PlayStation yes. Plus game of all time. Very it's good. good. It's about, I mean, I say it's good. It, It's very fun in its way. Um, but yeah, and then the cricket, which was... You know, mostly great, uh, very entertaining. Yeah, moment. some some uh, some odd. Yeah, no. Hey, look, we we could Rashid in the last. Rashid in the makes last no over sense. makes no sense. It's like United chasing a goal and Ollie putting on Phil Jones. I mean, no, Rashid's great bowler, number one or two oh, yeah. spinner in T Twenty, and I'm not sure where he ranks in the fifties, but yeah, odd decision. Anyway. Um, it's a football podcast, not a cricket cast, and uh, we'll throw that in just to confuse our many overseas listeners. <laughs> yep. Um, sorry, everyone in America. Um, but now we have to talk about... So I, just behind the curtain, Ed was like, when are we doing the season preview? And I was like, can we just not? Can we just do the season preview after the Palace game? And partly it was genuinely because the break was so short and we had, we didn't have a break. I don't even know if we had a break last summer. I can't remember last summer. I think we did, but yeah. that was, it was a year. We did a year long set of podcasts basically without a break and I needed one. But also it was partly to see what happened in this game because I felt like, and to give United a week more to maybe sign someone because it might give us a better sense of what the season's going to be like. And I think it has given us a better sense of what the season's going <laughs> to well, be like. I mean, I, I feel I feel when it comes down to this game that I, I'm willing to reserve some judgment. I, I know the, uh, the world of uh, social media will not do that uh, in aggregate, but... I mean, for most of these players, it's effectively their first preseason game. I mean, there's some bad performances yeah. in here. Paul Pogba will get absolute pelters, I'm sure. So he's he's gone a month without playing, and he had COVID, which was why he didn't play for the, the France side. Uh, it's true of many of the others who didn't actually play in the West Brom game last week. So many of them, this is effectively their first preseason game. And, and elite footballers, as we know from uh, All or Nothing, because they talked about it quite a lot, uh, lose an awful lot uh, not having full contact fitness work uh, and, and lose it very quickly. So that's why I'll reserve judgment. I don't think they were very sharp or fit. Uh, there are some were less sharp or, in fact, you could say quite dense in their play uh, during this game. Yeah, I think you said West Brom and... We didn't play West Brom, did we? We played Villa. We have oh, another game as West well. Brom, yeah. Villa, did we, we played no, I think we played West Brom in the pre lockdown return from lockdown friendly. That's where the That's it, that's why I'm is. getting my my brain is a fuzz as well, apparently. Uh, yeah, well listen, we haven't podcasted in anger in a month. Exactly. Either, I've, so I've lost my sharpness. Yeah. It's definitely <laughs> um, that. Not not me getting on at all. So uh I don't know. I've written a load of notes about this game because I thought the only way I can possibly say anything coherent about it is to write a load of notes and then in the end they're all just basically redundant I mean I completely agree about those caveats and and this applies to every single player that I'm about to absolutely slate because every single one of them uh, needs more match practice to be back at that level but 
also, it's not that surprising that they were rubbish because they're often rubbish. So Pogba, I think, doesn't obviously doesn't come into that category. Luke Shaw, who's defending for the first goal, was highlighted on Sky Sports at halftime and is one of the worst things you will ever see. Like him with a circle round him, doing the hokey-cokey, in, out, in, out, sprint right at the end to make you look like you're trying. Um, that was shocking. I thought Victor Lindelof was absolutely hot garbage in this game. Like, <laughs> yeah. like he, this is the, the the third goal where he's just simply bullied off the ball with no real meaningful effort. I mean, that's just the worst of Lindelof, isn't it? And it's, I mean, Gary Neville, much as I am very loath to agree with Gary Neville, said, you can talk all you like about Jaden Sancho, but until United sign up, centre-back who can run, they're never going to win the Premier League. And he is not wrong about that. No, United now have eight centre-backs in the squad, uh, most of whom are hot garbage. So it's uh, just, well, you know, we can, I guess we can be fair to Ted and Mengi because, you know, he's a kid. And Axel Tunzebi, who can't stay fit. So we'll we'll push them to one side. Uh, Lindelof, Jones, Rojo... And Smalling, I mean, would we lose anything if they weren't with the club tomorrow? Apart from the fact that we wouldn't sign a replacement. But, you know, hey, that's a different story. Uh, It's, yes, there's an awful lot of, awful lot of trash there. Yeah, and uh, Harry Maguire, who is... Who who is, yeah, I'm not ranking in the hot garbage, but... No. Who's who's fine. You know, the only, like, I think sometimes that this is going to be sound really unfair, the, the big difference between Lindelof and... And Maguire is that Lindelof backpedals at a rapid pace and Maguire backpedals at a very slow pace, you know? <laughs> it's, um, I mean, we, of course, we haven't talked since, I mean, me and you have talked, but we haven't talked in a public forum since Captain Harry Maguire was arrested in Mykonos for either shouting F the Greek civilization and F the Greek police. <laughs> Yeah, it I mean, sounded like, you know, that, that rang true, that one, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Imagine if imagine if it's true that Harry Maguire was arrested while shouting F the Greek civilization." <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine that, popping it into his head. I'm going to think about this in terms of Plato and Socrates and Aristophanes and all the big lads. Anyway. <laughs> well, probably quite little lads, to be fair. Um, it's a long time ago. It, yeah, uh, and uh, not Ajax though. He was a big lad. <laughs> uh, you uh, you recommended a podcast over the summer uh, called Fall of Civilizations, and oh yeah, it's so good. Which is uh, which is great fun. Um, and I've been listening to that, thinking of that very quote. <laughs> <laughs> F the Sumerians too. Byzantium. Greenland Vikings. Byzantium. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, he's he's all right as a central. He's a good at what he does as a central defender, but he needs someone alongside him that isn't Victor Lindelof. I mean, that is absolutely clear. Um, uh, Timothy Fosu-Mensah is not going to play a lot of games for United, so it's not really worth analysing his performance. I don't think he put in a couple. I, of I'm surprised crosses. he's still with the club. I mean, I guess there's yeah. still three weeks for him to not be with the club, and it wouldn't be surprising if he left because United. I mean, United uh, clearly a. a defender short a fullback short um and I think the preference at the club and and we spoke about it at the end of last season would be to bring in a a left back who's competition for Luke Shaw or replaces him 
and shift Brandon Williams over to the right to provide some sort of attacking variation to Aaron yeah. Wambazaka. Because uh, Delo, um, they want out, clearly. Yeah. Uh, and Fosa Mensa, I mean, he's probably not even a right back, really. I mean, I, I know he spent a lot of his career there because he hasn't developed as a centre back, but he hasn't developed as a right back either, really. No, I mean, just to reassure everyone, we are going to talk about transfers and the lack of the lack thereof, because I'm sure seven minutes into the podcast or whatever it is, there were also already people going, what about Sancho? Like, you know, we will we will talk about this stuff. Um, but I mean, partly as a, la- a result of the lack of transfer activity, uh, Dan James started this game. Uh, and that shows that you can't always bank on United to sign the right players. Because um, that poor kid looks a thousand miles out of his depth, and it turns out that signing players because they're quick and Ryan Giggs says they're a good lad is probably not a great scouting metric. No, that that's right. And and I mean, look the 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 narrative around Dan James a year ago was quite positive. He'd scored three goals. It looked like United got a bargain. Look how smart Ed Woodward was. We don't need a director of football because Ed Woodward is a genius. We know this because he or his PR people have told us many, many times. Uh, and now it looks it looks very different because we've seen an awful lot of Dan James. It's not even as if he's he's had like 15 games or something. He's had a lot of football. Um, and looks, yeah. it looks well out of his depth. And, you know, I don't know whether he's got the tools to to rise too much higher. I mean, he can certainly polish his game up uh, with good coaching, the right preparation and all of that. But uh, right now, running into blind alleys, turning around and then giving the ball away, it's not doing him or the club very much good at all. Someone pointed out after our season review that it was probably really harsh to not mention the fact that he got a move to Manchester United, was kind of over-promoted because of the lack of squad depth. And his father died just before he moved to United. And that's absolutely all very well taken. And it was really, I think, like personally, I felt like it was very remiss of not to mention that his father had died just before he moved because it's such a huge thing. And he's so young to experience something like that. Um, And that's all completely taken into account. And... I he like I said he does seem to be an absolutely lovely kid like everyone speaks super highly of him whenever you see him on social media he just seems like it just seems genuinely like a good lad but he doesn't he's never I mean like you say there was some positive narrative around him he scored a couple of good goals a couple of slightly streaky ones as well um and then it it just all fell off a cliff and it hasn't got anywhere near coming back up the cliff and and of course he's also played out of position Almost sure, all the because all yeah, those I mean, he played, right. he played for Wales a couple of weeks ago. Um, what I saw of him in that one, he looked he looked lively actually. He played off the left, and he's it's clearly a more comfortable position for him. He is not a you know heels on the touchline, getting chalk on the boots and whipping across kind of player. He's a he's an inside out forward in a very modern way. He might not be a very good one, but that's where he wants to play, and and that yeah. would give him a, a better chance of succeeding. That's of course you know where Marcus Rashford is playing so you know maybe he could be back up there i suppose so the first 15 minutes palace were all over united the goal was a disgrace and just luke shaw lindelof awful all round um then so for the first 15 minutes we couldn't keep the ball and then for the next 15 minutes or 20 minutes actually uh we 
kept the ball and couldn't do anything with it because their four four two deep block was very effective. Neville pointed this out as well that it didn't do the thing that often deep blocks too, which is turn into a back six. The midfield bank of four was very distinct. I mean, this is classic Hodgson, isn't it? Um, and United just not on it. Fernandez loose, Pogba loose, and the front three. Um, Martial looked quite bright in the first half, but died a death in the second. Rashford, no meaningful contribution to the game. James, Dan James, fullbacks. I mean, there was one really nice cross in the second half from Fosfimenza to Greenwood, but nothing in the first. Just just an awful half of football, really. Yeah, I mean, extremely disjointed. None of our creative players could get on the ball or, you know, find the, even even within that disjointed performance, find a, find a pass. The movement up front was... was uh, it wasn't great, I, you know. I, I know you wanted to be fair to Martial. Um, uh, Rashford looked, you know, like a player who hasn't played for some time, still finding his feet. Still, I think uh, didn't play the England games uh, because of injury. wasn't quite or wasn't quite fit enough to play them. Uh, apparently. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it's it, it didn't look going good going forward, and and it was a hot mess. At the back, and, yeah. and and like you know the the fullback thing, I, I I bored myself talking about it. It's definitely a problem. And Gary Neville talked about it this week. Actually, he talked about Aaron Wan-Bissaka in particular, saying who didn't play today because he he hasn't had much training, um, because he went to Dubai and had to isolate for two weeks. Yeah, sensible, going along with our fantastic summer, um, and saying you know you might be able to get a bit more out of Wampazaka, but he's a throwback, he's a, he's an old-fashioned fallback, and basically making, I think, sort of part of your argument when I'm comparing him to Trent Alexander-Arnold and saying, look, it's unfair, he's not that player, which is true, he's not that player. Uh, but it is a problem for United in this particular formation where you don't have attacking fallbacks because we don't have any wingers either. You know, which I'm sure is part of the reason why Sancho is Ollie's priority. Uh, maybe not Ed Woodward's priority, but Ollie's. Yeah, we'll come on to that. I don't want to, not because I don't want to talk about it, but because it's just so predictable and depressing. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, I've written a note here: 53 minutes, Townsend shot. But if Zaha had been more composed, United would have been in massive trouble. They, they just kept getting caught on the counter there was a, a nice moment with that cross that I mentioned with the Greenwood had a really nice long pass from Bruno that found a good run from Mason a nice back heel to Martial but he yeah. cut it into empty space there was yeah. the flick on from McTominay there were a few sharp the- moments for Mason he didn't get involved in the game very much but when they got him the ball I mean it was the most obvious sub ever wasn't it when they yeah. put him on at half time I mean uh, how could they not um, Mason who also has had not much training because he had to isolate after um, acquiring a couple of uh, local ladies from Iceland off Tinder. Yeah, we'll talk about that as part of our roundup. In, of inter- I mean, summer. the kind of choices one makes when they were 18, I'm sure we made. Uh, we might have done that if we'd had Tinder at 18. We certainly did a lot of other stupid stuff. Um, so, well, yep, yeah, mostly exclusively stupid stuff. Yep. Um, talking of stupid stuff, let's talk about football being played in um, a stadium with no fans while robots make the decisions. Oh. Um, one of, I mean, this was this all this furore around this penalty sort of broke my heart because watching football 
uh, without fans in the stadium is wearing thin, like very much yeah. wearing thin at this point. And it, if it goes on much longer, football loses something very, I mean, it, it just, it's such a massive thing. And then to have that further, the further sort of, I don't know, the odd kind of pedant perfectionism that, that VAR has brought in. Like I, I, I'm not, intensely averse to the idea that massive howler errors that everyone in the world can see because these games are being recorded that there should be some recourse and I don't know where the line is I don't know how you do that but what I do know is the frame by frame analysis that led to that um penalty decision was just stupid yeah like Victor Lindelof's I mean as far as I'm I understand it that in my opinion, should not have been a handball because his silhouette is not unnatural. Mm. His arm is raised because he's running. That's a natural movement. Well, I don't, incredibly... but I don't think that's how they define natural. And his arm's at a right angle. I think that's the problem. So, I mean, look, I fully agree with you. I think this is stupid. And to give that as a as a penalty under the old rules would almost certainly the referee would have decided, look, he can't do much about that. Yeah, he's not that far away from it. He's running. He's not trying to block a goal-scoring opportunity there. Let's let's just be grown-ups and and move on with the game. And and the law, the the new handball. Well, it has been it's new, new, isn't it? Because it's been uh, reinterpreted again this summer. Um, doesn't allow for that. So it, you've got two very binary parts of handball now. If it's if it's out of the normal silhouette, which is hands basically by your side. Yeah, normal standing silhouette. Um, and if it's below the T-shirt line, and if I was a footballer, I'd be wearing very long sleeves now. <laughs> it's it's going to be a penalty. And it feels very mechanical. And, and you know, I, I um, I'd hoped a lot for the VAR monitor to bring some sense that you could, then the referee could go and go, okay, I can make an interpretation. It's going to make the referee better. You know, in the way yeah. that we talked about cricket earlier, um, the DRS system, for the most part, worked really well. I mean, there's some yeah. there's some weird marginal calls around whether it's you know umpire's call or not that just feel a bit odd um, because you can get the same decision going two different ways depending. Um, but for the most part, works really well in enhancing the quality of the umpires, and that's why they all accept it. Um, and I thought the the monitor would help do that, right? So it's a tool the referee can use to make himself better. But when you have this kind of, you know, binary interpretation of a rule, and it has to be this. It, it's hard for the referee to do that then. Um, yeah. And so yes, it was very hard. And and it's the same with the the save, really. I mean, he's off the line. It's there were a few angles. He's 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 apparently both feet have to be, or at least one foot has to be on the line, not. In line with the Behind line, has to be the line, on it. So, so yeah. which is again a, a weird way of stating the rule because if it was the ball, it's over the line or not over the line, whether it's on the ground or in the air. Um, so has, yeah. has the hair really gained an advantage from his foot being raised rather than being down that back foot? But that's yes. you know that's the way the law is interpreted now. It was so exciting when he saved it after the nonsense of the penalty. And by the way, I think one of the tweaks that should absolutely be made is that when the referee, you can only use slow motion to establish whether the ball's hit the hand and then you have to watch it in fast motion. You can't watch the incident in slow motion to make your decision because the the difference is 
so enormous with handballs. I mean, we talked about the one in the World Cup final, which I was, you know, sport in front. So I was jokingly saying that was perfectly legitimate yeah. decision. But I mean, I, mean, I think the decision. reason why um, a referee would just to put uh, their argument here would say it doesn't matter is because the law is so binary. You know, if it's not by side the arm, it's block the ball, it's block the ball. Whether it's going at two miles an hour or hundred miles an hour. So dumb that the language is natural silhouette because, like, natural. Yeah, like, but then they have a bunch like of a, bunch of you know pictures. text. Uh, yeah, uh, so dumb. Anyway, and yeah, it's not just about VAR. VAR enhances the feeling of awful pedantry that comes from the the way the law is, and I guess the law is sort of trying to be written in a VAR universe, isn't it? It's trying to... Anyway, it was just horrible. That's the, the point. Obviously, it, like, it it negatively affected Man United and that was horrible about it for us. And we just, we'd got back into the game by that point. Oh no, we hadn't. That was when we... So that was... We'd got back in the game in terms of kind of looking like we might do something, but Palace had looked dangerous on the counter too. But it just felt soulless, like really, really soulless. And football does feel soulless without crowds. And yeah. the summer has felt incredibly soulless. You've got, and we'll talk about this in a sec, but anyway, it was horrible. Yeah, look, um, there were some crowds at uh, Championship and League One games today. I think they were running at 15% or something like that. There's been a few tests. Uh, they've been back in France uh, for a while now uh, because... Uh, League 1 started sort of on time because they cancelled the, the previous season. Um, I don't know that it's really enhancing the atmosphere much to have such a sparsely populated crowd. Uh, there was that awful story emanating out of Tottenham uh, that they were going to give the 4,000 or so tickets they thought they could uh, get the licence for to their their best customers. Best. I'm, I'm doing air quotes here. The highest right. paying customers, of course. Um, yeah. Classic football. I mean, I mean not like to, I, I'm sure I'll, I'm sure United would do exactly the same thing if they get uh, allowed to do four to six thousand uh, fans. But um, you know, so may, look, maybe there's hope on the horizon. Maybe, although with with yeah, and, COVID cases rising so fast in the UK, you know, there probably isn't. That's that's so like yeah. I'm I'm not saying we'll get fans back in stadiums now. I'm I mean. I'm just talking about in the circumstances. No, no, fo- the football, circumstances suck. Look, I, I, look, I fully agree. Football is about fans being there. And, of course, football is back because it's also about business for the clubs. Uh, but, you know, what's the point if the fans aren't there? M- much in the same way that um, someone who will argue, and there are many of them, that, oh, it's just business for the Glazer family, don't get the point that, that football is not just business and has never been in is why in many countries around Europe you have the kind of socio or fan ownership model ingrained into law because it's not. Um, and, yeah, so fans are vitally important. And, you know, it, with each passing week, while I enjoy, from a certain perspective, watching the football, <laughs> uh, it's, it is definitely not the same with fans there. And the um, the fake crowd noise doesn't make me believe that they are there, but done no. that one to death as well and you know another sad moment that the fans weren't there to make the noise they would have made when Donny van der Beek came on first of all and when he scored because lovely lovely debut from him so I uh during the summer one of the few during the summer in the one month and two days between the last time we podcasted and today um I talked to Elka Bourne 
Um, Ajax fan and Dutch football writer. He's written for Guardian and BBC and all these big people like this. Um, and I talked to him at length about what kind of player Van der Beek is. And that's uh, all archived on our Instagram. Uh, if you want to go and watch an in-depth breakdown of Donny van der Beek. But yep. he's an attacking midfielder who likes to break beyond the ball and make third man runs. And, and, and uh, get goals. Yeah, and has really composed good composure in front of goal. Clearly, lovely finish. Yeah, look, I think it's. Uh, I, I saw some commentary about this, mainly from pundits rather than fans, uh, saying, "Well, how's he going to fit into the side with Fernandez and Bruno?" Look, it's if United is successful, it's going to be a sixty-game season squeezed into a five weeks less than normal. So he's going to get a lot of games, and I think it was a very sensible purchase. We now have a a potentially very, very good selection of midfielders, nicely balanced. Uh, and it's the one area of the pitch where, that we're pretty strong, you know. Um, noted that no one had a good game today, but <laughs> dot, dot, yeah. dot. Um, think it's a, a very good purchase uh, at a COVID price uh, and, you know, smoothed over by red agent Edwin van der Sar, so there was no drama about it. Uh, and I, I'm sure he'll do very well at United because he's not only does he score goals and, and create a decent amount, but he's got loads of energy, and I think the fans will take to him really well. So he, he did great in uh, in the um, in Ajax's run in the Champions League a couple of years ago, which is where m- many people have seen him. I, th- I thought he put a, a you know obviously didn't um, capture the same sort of headlines as uh, as um, Frankie. Frankie de Jong, for example, alongside him in midfield, um, but was equally as, as important to that Ajax system. Yeah, I don't think it's a wonderful signing and an absolutely terrible signing to be our only signing of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's that's the thing. It's like in in, in and of itself, a wonderful signing. Um, I thought Oli made a massive, massive howler at this point. I thought bringing on Igalo for Fosumenta, putting McTominay to fullback, meaning that Van der Beek, who'd been basically playing as a completely free attacking midfielder, was now one of a two alongside Fernandez. It relied on us having the ball a lot and it meant that any counter-attack would be just like, you know, there was no resistance to counter-attacks other than Fernandez tracking back and tackling, which he's obviously very good at. I mean, I mean tracking back from losing the ball with him in front of the ball. Sure, get, yeah. You know. I, I mean, I didn't see, really see the value in in um, losing Fosu Mensa and putting McTominay there. I mean, it's not like he's going to be making overlapping runs. I mean, if United had gone to a three, perhaps, and just gone a bit more direct, then Van der Beek could have latched on to those sort of, you know, the third man runs would have would have been pretty useful, actually. So um, I, di- I didn't really get the tactics if you're going to throw a Hail Mary at the end. Uh, but, you know, United were... Really, very limp by the end, anyway. Yeah, but this was at two one. Like this was this was when we weren't limp at all. So I I thought that a big part of the reason that they were able to counterattack so easily was just I just think that was a, a really dumb throw of the dice. So kind of we talked about this a bit um, with maybe Mourinho. I can't remember. It's something we've talked about a lot. That just the idea that when you take off a defender for a forward, you're making the team more attacking, which isn't always true. If you kind of remove the structural ability to get the ball forward, and then you're basically, you know, I mean, it, you're playing four two four, and the two in the middle are you're really playing four six. Basically, sure, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. So, that's what. That's why you have to go a bit more direct if you if you're going to do that. Yeah, I mean, and, it, didn't, and, it certainly didn't work for United. So, no. uh, I mean, yeah, 
Um, this is, Palace were this able is, to uh, to counter, and and that's what they demonstrate they they can do. You know, Zaha had his one good game of the season against us again. Um, I wrote a note that's really mean, but I can't deny that I made myself laugh when I wrote it. But I wrote that Igalo's first contribution is to look like he doesn't know how legs work. <laughs> it just he had the ball. There was a really nice pattern of play, and it came to Igalo in the D, and he just sort of moved his legs from side to side and fell over. Hey, he's, you know we we know who what Igalo's offers some stuff, but maybe not we, the uh, man for the moment. We we should talk about. Um... Patrice Evra assessment of Wilfred Zaha's time at Manchester United. What do you think about that analysis? Well, um, you know, there was this big rumour at the time that he'd slept with David Moyes' daughter. And I always thought that that was a joke that had got, genuinely, a joke that had got out of hand. Like, oh, what is, what's he done? Slept with the boss's daughter or something. And then Patrice is just putting it out in the streets like, no, actually, that's literally what happened. There's a moment where Stone he says, Cold oh, leaked it. You know, he played every game in pre-season and then he slept with David Moyes' daughter and he never really got into the team. Had an and then affair. The end, he had this affair. Had, yeah, had this affair is what he says. And then, uh, um, was it Kelly Kate said, um, well, we don't know the full story behind that, of course, with a kind of like everyone, she was trying not to laugh, I think. And then Patrice is like, they're grinning, like I know the full story. But apparently he said also that he's not fully sure. And if he's not fully sure, it's bang out of order to say that on television. But anyway. Well, he's just trying to walk it back at that stage, yes. Kids, don't nail the boss's daughter. It's never going to work out for you. <laughs> it's not, not, generally a good, yeah, not generally a great idea. Um, yeah, listen, there's, it's hard not to be really critical of United because the performance was abject um both in both ends of the pitch there were little moments where some of the attacking quality was clear very few moments where the and, defensive and, quality any, looked any, clear. anything notable i mean I'm, I'm trying to think i mean the hair didn't make an awful rick although he he contributed to palace's goal in the first phase by uh distributing poorly uh along the ground so um, tom and a got around the pitch I, he did okay i mean he made a few tackles McTominay got around the pitch. That's where we're at, people. Yeah, Anything yeah, you notable? Know, for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, um, uh, the thing that I was going to go on to say is just all of this has to be heavily caveated. I think this will be one of United's worst performances this season. I, I think yeah, it'll yeah. be in the and, bottom. And look, I'm, look, I'm comfortable with. I think we. Uh, our problem is, of course, we all know there are holes in this squad and there's a lack of quality in depth, and uh, this year. This season with the Champions League, Oli's not going to be able to rest them like he did in the Europa League. Uh, and we've got a month short. And so those weaknesses are going to be horribly exposed at some point in this season. We might not see it for the first couple of months. You know, with this performance, I think we can put down to to them being undercooked and underprepared. Uh, and, you know, hopefully it gets better over the next couple of months. So at some point we're going to be exposed uh, because... Oli tried to get away with it post-lockdown by playing the same team every week and they burnt out by the end. And that was only, what, 15 matches or something. Imagine it after 50. It's going to be horrendous. So that's our well, problem, you know. But let- but net-net was slightly better than last season because, you know, Van der Beek adds a different dimension for Pogba if he's injured or Bruno if he's knackered, right? Let's, let's take a quick break and then talk about all that stuff. 
you want more from the show in between shows, check us out on the socials. We are NQAT Pod on Instagram, Ed's at NQAT Pod on Twitter, and we are under our real names on Facebook at No Question About That. Right, so, um, Donny, fantastic signing. Like I said in the first half of the show, an absolutely fantastic signing in a vacuum. Not at the Van Persie level, but similar to the Van Persie season where you're looking at it going, uh, is that what we need? I mean, I definitely think, well, like you said, we definitely need Van der Beek because otherwise Lingard or Pereira play a lot of games and nobody wants that. Um, apart from maybe them, I guess. I mean, hopefully, I still, I still, I know. Pereira played told me over 30 games last season. I mean, that's yeah, it can't be right, right? No. And, and so did Daniel James. Ling- Lingard... I still have weird hope for, but let's not have that debate now. Um, yeah. It's weird. Yeah, it's weird. Listen, that's just how it is. Um, the summer so far, and there's three weeks of the transfer window left or whatever, has been an unmitigated, entirely predictable, absolute disaster. And yeah. the disgusting PR, and these journalists should be absolutely ashamed of themselves, the journalists getting fed the Ashton lines. And I know they they need to do it because they're like, well, if we don't take run these stories, we ain't getting the juicy tidbits that will get us a billion clicks. Um, but the PR has been offensive and it, it's culminated in this. I, I've got a little rant here. Just give me, give me no, a go sec. Go for it, go for it. Uh, yeah. Um, the club saying they are upset about the toxic feeling around the club on social media. I think it's very important for us to hold two distinct thoughts in our heads at the same time. Something that we should just call this show two thoughts at the same, two different thoughts at the same time, because we talk about it all the time. But social media is disgustingly toxic. The culture around United on social media in generality, social media meaning Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, the works, like wherever Reddit, wherever these things are discussed, there is a, I wouldn't say a minority, I would say a majority of just outright ugly toxicity. But that thought is distinct from United are an absolute disgrace, make the same incredibly obvious errors, and then try and tell us they're not year after year after year. So guess what? We are annoyed with you, yeah. you stupid... Like, Edward Wood should resign. Like, in every possible metric of his job, every metric, even the one he's supposed to be even good at... Even the financial ones, yes. <laughs> he should resign. He should, yes. Um, I, ca- I can't say who, but uh, I work for a company where leadership is even more toxic. <laughs> but... Um, uh, I, I only work for them for another 10 days or so. Uh, and, and then I can say whatever the... Uh, actually, I can't. Um, anyway, uh, yes, no, look, I agree with everything you've said there. Look, just a um, little perspective on this. Part of the reason, and, and, you know, sorry for the Orwellian doublespeak, but part of the reason why they are so offended is because they like to talk about their social media reach all of the time. In the investor calls, we'll probably have one next week. I don't think it's been confirmed, but the full year of results are typically out uh, near the end of September, so I'd imagine so. Uh, and I have no doubt at some point that Woodward or um, or the CFO, um, Batty, 
we'll be talking about how many clicks, likes, shares or views there were of Donny van der Beek's introduction, low key that he was, you know. Uh, so they live by that, right? Social media is an important channel for their reach for selling sponsorships, which right now are a real premium and United are about to lose, depending on how the Forex goes, between 75 and 80 million pounds a year uh, when the Chevrolet deal is up next summer in the middle of the worst recession in 100 years, right? So, you know, that that's your context. They are bricking it. They are bricking it about the financials, uh, I'm sure. And United, and as we talked about at the end of last season, should be in a very strong position because of all that that money, right? But they're looking down the road going, ah, oh, we've got a problem here. You know, we have a lot of liabilities in terms of transfer fees still owed uh, and and a huge amount of wages on the books. And we can't shift those players because who is going to pick up Phil Jones at 150k a week? Uh, and so we've got a real problem. So this is where the... Well, isn't it, you know, isn't it unfair how people are mean to us on social media line comes from? Um, it makes me know, so live by angry. Sword, you like, die by the sword, Ed, and, it, you know, and so we should. It's so pernicious. It's like, I not to get excessively existential about this, but it's almost like, I think the reason it makes me so, like, I, I have a very emotional response to reading Woodward saying that, I mean, he didn't literally say it, but whatever, reading the club, and we all know what the club means nowadays. Um, it's disgusting. It's disgusting to turn around and attack the fans. And it, it's, it, it, talk about Orwellian doublespeak. I mean, we live in the A, we are living in 1984, essentially. I mean, not quite, but not the, far path, off. the path between here and there is pretty straightforward to navigate. Um, the, the temerity of a person who has uh, destroyed this club's reputation across, like, uh, do, you know the journalist Julien Laurence, the French journalist that does BT Sport panel stuff, really good. He did, he did a brilliant thing. He was talking to Marcotti and um, he said they were interested in Gabriel and he was being extremely definitive because this is the thing that, that... And there are a collection of United fans who buy into this too. None of these journalists know anything. They're just linking us to players for clicks. Like, no, there are plenty of journalists. Well, actually, none of the journalists are just linking United to players for clicks. The websites are and the, the churn is and that happens. Sure. But when there's a story that's like over and over again coming like to the surface... These aren't being made up for clicks. These are agents talking, players talking, clubs talking. It it's actually happening. United aren't not interested in signing Jaden Sancho. You know, they're doing the thing where they're like, "Oh, we'd like to buy Jaden Sancho. How much? 120 million, please." Oh, will you take 50? <laughs> Would you take a quick 50 million? I got it right here for you right now. Yeah. 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 And then 60 and 70 and 80. And they don't understand why aren't... What do, What does Edward Wood think is going to happen? No, I mean, for sure. Look, um, the uh, the way most journalists work is is they, are, they have a range of sources. Um, some are agents, some are club officials, uh, some are the officials of other clubs and... They're piecing together a, a, a picture, a puzzle in a bit of a fog, 
right? And they're they're trying to do that. And and for the most part, I think you're right. The um the better journalists, and you know, I hate this kind of ranking system we get now, which is based not on their um their propensity to try and do good journalism, which is mm-hmm. you know, about trying to find information. Things change, right? But on how accurate the uh, information turned out to be down the line, because I I think in in terms of like doing deals when they fall apart all the time or, you know, the thing that the agent said that this club wants this player was true information, but it didn't yeah. work out, right? Um so you know, I think for the most part I don't I don't buy into that kind of the kind of narrative that uh, they're all faking it for clicks. I mean, sure there is some nonsense, but you can usually pick that out from the headline, right? And you just uh, yeah. ignore that one. Um and yes, to get onto the substance of the the Sancho piece and and any other pieces, United are short on cash right now. Undoubtedly, there's no doubt that United's net cash at hand is is significantly lower than we would like it to be, or you know the 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 powers that be would like it to be. Um, they they've had a revolving credit line since they took out the bonds in uh, 2010, and then had a, an extended credit line when they refinanced them in 2017. Right, so that's always been there. But you know, there's a lot of talk about that this summer. Um, they've done that because who knows how bad it gets. Right, if we don't have yeah. fans in stadiums for the next year, United will lose out on 150 million in match day revenue, something like that. Mm. Um, so and it could it could be really bad. And, and But for sure, they've taken that and they've gone to Borussia Dortmund and they've said, well, you're probably hurting more than us. Therefore, we expect you to to take a big discount. And it seems that, that, that Dortmund are quite prepared to, they feel, they must feel that their finances are not desperate enough this summer and they will be able to create a market that is better next summer. That may well not turn out to be true, but it's unlikely to be worse than now for them. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned 150 million in lost match day revenue, and and also like every game that's played behind closed doors is eroding football's brand value because this product that's currently being offered is is not anywhere near the same level of um, drama and excitement. And you know, there's been some great games, and we, you know, this this United. Well, I guess if you're a, a true neutral, you probably quite enjoyed United huffing and puffing and Palace smashing them on the counter attack. But um, you know, we've seen some good games: Liverpool, Leeds, and Leeds Fulham, and Everton West Brom was a good game today. But like, they're empty. They're good. They're good games, but there there's an emptiness to them, and that's going to affect the bottom line of how much TV companies will be prepared to spend, and you know, and how much. People are going to be. We know that the economic outlook is is bleak, but yeah, it's not just Sancho, of course. That it's been a summer of classic failure. I mean, so the deal that seemed to be somewhat likely was the Reguillon. Uh, Reguillon. Sorry about pronunciation. Um, the only thing I know is that the emphasis should be on the I in Reguillon because uh, that's what uh, accents mean in Spanish. Because I've done, I've got a five hundred and twenty day Duolingo streak going. Nice. Um, but I still can't pronounce Reguillon. Um He's signed I, to Spurs. I think, you, I think you were good with the the last one. Reguillon? Sure it's like Reguillon or something like Reguillon. you know. Reguillon. Yeah. And it, anyway, he's someone else's problem because he's signed by Spurs. And I have to say, if it's true that the reason that United didn't sign him is because uh, there was a buyback clause, I, I have to Confirmed say it for everybody. once. I'm yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm at hashtag. forty million euros. Yeah. 
I mean, so, that's just you. United you know, can't be getting players on an extended no, loan from. Ronaldo. No, no. I mean, it's, it, yes, it's a free extended loan, basically. When you do that, it's, it send an awful signal out to the market. There are other left backs. You know, as yeah. as good as he is going forward, he's not a very good defender, yeah. but he's he's good going forward. Um, I I have to say I'm in a minority, and that I would have been quite excited if we signed Gareth Bale, but he's injured for four weeks already apparently um it is very funny that he's gone back to Tottenham because he's sick of a really toxic miserable environment for him and so he's going into what we literally all know because we've all seen it is an unbelievably miserable toxic environment um, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, this may have staved off the meltdown at uh, Tottenham Hotspur, I suppose, because uh, uh, Jose's got the left back, his fifth left back at the club. Um, uh, goodbye, Danny Rose, I'd say. Um, he's gone already. He's, yeah, he's gone. gone already. Yeah, he's gone another. Who's he, where's he gone to? I missed it. Uh, can't remember. Someone right. not very good. Not Milan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked All or Nothing. We could talk about that later. So, yeah, and, and then he's got a forward that he wanted and to add to, to his uh, many, many attacking forward options they have at the club, but uh, another forward if Kane breaks down again. Um, so, yeah, maybe it will stave off the meltdown for a bit longer. I saw someone tweet that Kane, Son, Bale is the best front three in the Premier League, and I was like, well, it's a sh- thought to myself, even if that is true, which I think it's highly arguable, but even if it is true, uh, it's a shame they've got the worst manager of attackers in the Premier League. The single worst. There isn't a worse manager for an attacker. I would play for any... If I was a striker or a forward, I would choose literally any other club in the league over Tottenham. Anyway, um, the... uh, There's currently we're linked to Alex Tellez, the United of... um, Agreed personal terms, which is so funny. We're apparently <laughs> yes. we're really, I, I really know, good I, at yeah. that. Awesome. Yes, yes. The other, the other part of that story that did make me laugh that uh, United were unprepared to pay the 20 million euros fee, which works out about 17 million pounds. 20 million? We're not going to... Oh, God. Edward Wood is so staggeringly bad at his job. And so... Um, I mean, this is an assumption and, and a very unkind one but I can't see another reason for this. So unbelievably wrapped up in his own sense of himself. Cause I don't know. I don't know how it, it can only be about the maintenance of power. You know, that's, I can't, well, I can't see sure, any yes, other No, I, I think it is about that. It's the maintenance of his own power, but it's also a, a, a technical director, director for football, head of acquisition, whatever that kind of role. Um, if that, if that's, you know, what most clubs have, or at least they have someone whose job it is full time to get these deals over the line, you know, the Monchi figure, um, someone worthy salt would ask very difficult questions, yeah, about about the um, about how the Glazers business model works and and whether they're really serious about improving year on year. And this is this is one of the key things that that has been pointed out in numerous places, which is that the almost the worst thing that can happen to United from a fan's perspective is getting into the Champions League because this is the point at which the Glazers go, well, we invest when we're out of the Champions League, they'll put a massive amount of money. And they have, I mean, this is, you know, we'll see if this is, it, it's a small sample size, but it's been the summers where we've not been in the Champions League where the big, big money signings have come in and the ones where we have been in the Champions League where they've been like, eh, we'll probably get by. 
Um, Because them, you know, you've been saying this since 2005, the model needs us to be top four to work for their, for them. And, uh, you know, it's very, it's very depressing covering United in that way. I mean, it was, it it is, it was an interesting thread you may have seen on social media, did the rounds um, and I've forgotten the handle. Sorry, sorry. Talking about uh, various covenants on United's bond. So as I said, they refinanced in 2017, uh, it's a eight hundred and sixty-five million dollar bond. Uh, quite a low ticker, actually. I just I was looking it up, uh, three and a bit percent, uh, which is actually very expensive right now, but at the time looked good. Um, and whether that was causing United to uh, to be um, circumspect about transfers because they have to make a certain amount of uh, free cash flow or a bit of. Uh, in order to to meet the terms of those covenants. I, I mean, I personally didn't buy the argument because I think actually right now would be a perfect time to refinance again. And we're probably going to negative interest rates in um, probably in the UK, maybe even the Fed would do it in the States as well. So money is cheaper than free. Um, very good time to to refinance, even in, in difficult circumstances. You know, the, the gamble is whether you can get enough people to buy your bonds. But I think, you know, United is safe bet, so you probably would. Um, so I don't think that's the issue. I actually think cash is a real issue for United. I just don't think there's much cash. And this is why they'll be trying to structure deals and they just can't get rid of players. Uh, and and yeah. like we saw last summer when Lukaku, I mean, Maguire was signed within milliseconds of Lukaku going. I actually don't know how what the distance was, but, you know, basically they pulled the trigger um, for the number that was mentioned all along. If United could get rid of a few players... I don't think they're going to make up 120 million euros worth of sales, but if they get rid of a few, they may pull the trigger. Uh, but it seems and, unlikely. And the reason they can't get rid of anyone is because Edward Wood is spectacularly terrible at his job. That's the thing. Like the players that United have that have any value can't be shifted because they're not. I mean, the players could choose to say, "Well, I would like to, I'll take a 50 percent play cut to play every week," um, but that's what they have to do. Um, we didn't talk about Alexis Sanchez, who's gone. Uh, some good does some bright moment in Got the it summer. So long of ago, misery. I'd forgotten. It's, he yes. Um, yes, he gave an interview to say that the day he got to United's training ground, the first time round, he was like, "Oh no, can I come? Can I tear up my contract? Can I go back to Arsenal?" I mean, that it was a much more measured interview than that headline sounded, and he talked about like loving playing for the fans and all that stuff, but just that the culture at the club wasn't great at the time and guess what like everyone hates Alexis Sanchez and he's an evil snake all that for saying that but how about the club the culture at the club at the time was absolutely disgustingly toxic and um you know I've just watched a nine-part documentary confirming why somebody might come into this club and go oh my god what am I doing here yes (laughs) yes um, so, look, I, I, we've got another three weeks to talk about transfers, no doubt. Um, I can't say I'm that hopeful of anything uh, big happening on the Sancho front. Um, looking at Dortmund's collection of very exciting attackers right now. Um, uh, Reina, I think they started uh, Sancho, Haaland, Reina with Jude Bellingham uh, in midfield today. Um you know, and and they may well be thinking, "Hey, we hang on to all these players. We we might have a shot at winning the Bundesliga." You know, maybe. <laughs> but Bayern won eight nil yesterday. Yes, so, yes. you know, that, probably just, just while we're on it, the sickest of sick Rabona assists from Lewandowski. Absolutely beautiful. 
Um, and Dortmund won three nil today. So you know, Sancho's like looking across, going, "Ah." Anyway, um, I hope we sign a left back. I really, really hope we sign a left back. I really wish we were linked with loads of brilliant centre backs. I really wish we were linked with a defensive midfielder. Um, but United can only do one deal at a time, and they can't even do one deal. I mean, they did the Van der Beek deal, but literally because, like. A, a, an actual Manchester United legend is the um, chief executive at Ajax and Ajax's whole culture is like develop players and then let them move on it, to bigger it, things. Yeah. So. I think Ed said, this is Edwin. said, Ed, Ed, I'll, I'll do this one for you. Yeah. It's free. Well, not God. literally, but my time. You know, Sack Ed Woodward and get Edward van der Sar into that job. It would be a thousand times It would be a significant upgrade, but, wouldn't it? But you might... You make a really good point, which is that we have a massive pop at Woodward, and rightly so. He is a symptom of the actual problem. I mean, literally, because he wouldn't have that job in a million years if it wasn't for the people that own the club. And, you know, it's been 15 years of Glazer ownership, and uh, half of that time has been... um, harvesting the fruit that was sown in the first half of that time basically yeah so yeah. the bit anyway, of fruit. let's let's take a break from all this um negativity because you know we've got another nine months to uh pour this out we don't want to blow our load in one go um and let's have a let's come back and talk about some signings that have been made at the club for the women's team if you want more from the show in between shows, check us out on the socials. We are NQAT Pod on Instagram, Ed's at NQAT Pod on Twitter, and we are under our real names on Facebook at No Question About That. So, so yep. United Women, who who started the season with a, a very creditable draw against Champions Chelsea, it's been an interesting time in the uh, the women's summer because there has been a summer because they cancelled the season, didn't finish it, awarded the title to Chelsea. Just a few games to go. Um, we mentioned some of the signings uh, that United already made. So they've made six this summer, including uh, Tobin Heath and Kristen Press, uh, US Women's World and Olympic Champions, Ballon d'Or nominees, uh, you know, two um, slightly older but hugely talented players. Uh, and then a bunch of younger players as well. Uh, and so it's been a really busy summer. Um and I guess the goal for the women's team is to try and get as close to that top three of Chelsea, City and Arsenal as possible. The problem there is, of course, that those teams have been uh, in the middle of a quite a bit of an arms race, especially Chelsea and City. Um, I mean, City lost quite a few players, but have been bringing um, loads in, including uh, England legend Lucy Bronze. And then um, City signed uh, Sam Kerr, Australian forward. Um, and Peniel Harder for a world record fee, which I believe was £350,000, which might not sound much, but is a huge amount in the women's game. Yeah, and it sets it into context, doesn't it? And you wonder why United can do all these deals, and it's because they don't cost very much money um, in relative terms to the to the men's game. Um, Lucy Bronze, you mentioned, it's interesting because she kind of clearly loved being at Man City and moved to Lyon to win the Champions League. And then I think one, two, was it? I think it's two in a row she won because I think she was there for two seasons. And obviously that means Lyon won two Champions Leagues. Um, oh, the Lyon-Wolfsburg final was 
Like, yeah. There yeah. were moments where Wolfsburg looked like they might be in the game, but that that's that is an awful lot of concentrated talent in one club. Um uh, it is. Alex- well, they decided to invest. Uh, and now the uh, the Women's Super League uh, over here in England is is deciding to invest too. So, it's, you know, it's probably the strongest league in the world right now, and especially with the the um, the uh, yeah, soccer league over in the States, basically on hiatus, uh, like yeah, a really, that- short, really short season. That's why there's so many of the US women's national team players coming over for short-term deals. Alex Morgan going to Spurs is that is a complete madness, isn't it? Like that seems like such a. It seems so weird to me that that's where she ended up, and one of the big powerhouses didn't didn't, didn't get in there first. Up. Yeah, I mean, it may be a salary cap thing. I mean, there is a, there is there is a salary cap. I think there's a lot of ways the clubs bend the rules on this one. Uh, it's a proportion of revenue, and given that most of these teams don't make very much at all, it's likely that um, the fee that um, Alex Morgan or any of the other uh, you know, big stars coming over are making is probably more than the salary cap in total, yeah. right? So you know, for a sort of mid ranked women's super league club, it would be about one hundred and fifty thousand pounds for the whole squad for the, the year. The um, the craziest signing of the summer for me was like uh, this time last year. I don't know if you remember us having a conversation about Alex Greenwood, where I said like I saw some people being critical of her for leaving on social media. It's like oh, you got to kind of um, accept that if a player wants to move from Man United to Lyon, that's a a very reasonable move. But she has now played for Everton, Liverpool, United, and City. That is a disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyway. Cancelled. Um, yeah. Alex Hashtag Greenwood is cancelled. Cancelled. Not for a good reason, just because she went yeah. from Leon to City. Anyway, look, some some good performances first few games. Um on a Bache, I think it is pronounced. Okay. I'm no expert, but yeah, on a battle, um, which is a much better bond name. Uh very, very good. Right footed, full back, played uh down the left, first couple of games, looks a really good upgrade because um, Yantif had a few problems since Greenwood left. Uh, Lotta Ockvist didn't really make that position her own. So um, brought in Lucy Staniforth, a really experienced England um, international. Um, uh, um, Alessia Russo, who's been in US football as well, college football, very young English forward, um, scored, no, assisted the other day. Assisted the other day, um, so yeah, it's, there's there's lots of reasons to believe that this is going to be a good season for the women's team. Yeah, I mean, it's for sure going to be a good season for the league, isn't it? Because, like you said, it's now it's gone from being a kind of you know in the probably in the top four, maybe top three, no top four, I would say, because Germany, you'd say we're ahead, France, you'd say we're ahead, America, obviously, to being currently the most competitive league in the world. And I think that's going to be. Really interesting to to That's see right. how all that unfolds. And there may well be fans back in the stadium. Not yet, but there may well yeah. be fans back in the stadium sooner or later because it's small crowds and so on. And that is one one thing that United have got over pretty much everyone else because United have really... There's like a, a section of United support that's really taken the women's team to heart and followed them home and away and all the kind of things that you would expect from United fans. So um, we should do a bit of a preview given that we're an hour into the first podcast of the season on and 
what we think is going to happen in the got in a, men's got game. a game midweek as well. Yeah, I mean, I can't be bothered to. We're playing Luton. It's going <laughs> to yeah. be yeah. Dean Henson in goal and and uh, a bunch of changes, I imagine. Yeah, um, and Luton. Yeah. Um, I wonder if he I, he could do with treating it as a preseason game and playing some of the big boys. Um, to get to give minutes, some, yeah, Might give well them some do. minutes because yeah, I yeah. think they I think they desperately need them. Actually, I think he's come at quite a good time that game. Um, but Henderson in goal, definitely, which I'm quite excited to see yeah. how that goes because Dave made the one really good save today from IU um, and he saved the pen kind of as well, the first one. But he he looked shaky again and he just does all the time now. So anyway, um, I guess that, I guess my first question is what position in the league will Manchester United finish this season? So, so I think it'll be fourth, and 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 I think the context is that, um, and I don't think that's a negative view, by the way. No. Um, and yeah, so the context is, you know, Chelsea has spent a lot. Um, the reason, um, and and we finished above them on goal difference. Uh, granted, we had a very uh, bifurcated season, uh, for sure. You know, um, most Shout points post lockdown, and. Uh, and so on, um, but uh, Lampard now has a lot of strength in depth. I mean, I'm sure they'll sell some. They haven't really sorted out their backline yet. Well, you know, Thiago Silva, 35 years old. Don't know whether that will solve the problem or not. But a huge amount of goals in that team, um, and you know, his his biggest problem is integrating them all and getting the best out of them in the first season. But there's so much talent. So I think I think um, you know something goes wrong for. For them not to finish third, probably, but but we'll be looking over our shoulder. Uh, so you know, we talked about Spurs. Who knows um, exactly what, I what, what, what kind of tune uh, Mourinho can get out of them? But Arsenal have started the season in you know they had a very good result, didn't they, against Fulham? I don't know whether that means much, but they seem to have some um, togetherness about the squad that they haven't had for some time. Let's say, and Aubameyang signing again is a big plus for them, and so on. And and Wolves, interesting, they've brought in some more young players from Portugal. They've sold Diego Jota, who's a very good player. Um, you know, been obviously this deal has been done because he's been left out of the squad for the last couple of couple of matches. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll see whether that works out for them. They've not sold um Jimenez, which is would have been a big loss, not getting the money they want for him, and they've not sold Adama Traore either. Yet. So, yet, uh, yeah, I don't still, think it will because it was City that that wanted him, and they brought Ferran Torres in instead. So, mm. I mean, for me, it's it's, I uh, you know, uh, just about City, Liverpool, Chelsea, United is is what I think it will be. You? Well, I think Liverpool have done really smart business. I think you know, I mean, I guess they might lose Wijnaldum, which is is quite a big deal to the way they play. Um, but getting Thiago in, I mean. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's uh, they've had to bite the bullet on the length of contract because he'll be thirty this season. They've given him a four-year contract, but yes, he's obviously obviously an outstanding midfielder. Yeah, I mean, somebody pointed out on the ramble, I think, that he hasn't paid. He hasn't played. uh, I think there's only two seasons in his career that he's played over twenty games, so he won't play that much. But he's such a an X factor player and so important to them in big games. I, I think it all, they, they are stronger. They're clearly stronger than they were and city. So they signed Torres. Who else did they sign? Is that it? I can't think of uh, Nathan Aki plugging. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then they're still after the, you know, I think they bought him as reserve. 
Um, so I think they, I assume they're still after a big name central defender, maybe Bilali, but you know we'll see. That's the deal. Uh, that's the one that's been. Yeah, that's it's probably the one they want to do. Uh, and um, who else? If I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I just figure they can't be as dif- dysfunctional. Uh, they've had a they'll have a year for some of their newer signings last year to be, you know, even better. Netanyahu will add something because even if he is bought as a first reserve, he he's definitely not as flaky as John Stones. Yeah, yeah their previous yeah. first reserve, and yeah. and you know, I know people get very tired of this, but if you if you look at the expected goals and expected goals conceded from last season, the gap is infinitely smaller than than the points than gap. The points yes, no, gap. which which Sorry. is the, one of the other things. Yeah, I mean, we we did. I mean, I think some of that's the model breaking down with yeah. how Liverpool play because uh, I think uh, we talked this time last year about whether Liverpool might go a bit backwards because they were overperforming their XG so much. So, you know, clearly that's that's not right. But um, yeah, I, I, I could be wrong. You know, I, I don't really have a, a whole bunch of data to back up why I think City might uh, come back a bit stronger this year. I definitely don't think it's going to be an 18-point gap no, for for United, I mean, um, even if United dropped to fourth, I, I I think you know, fifteen points from City this season, it's got to be less than that. It's got to be less than that to second. Otherwise, it's uh, it's a bit of a disaster, honestly. So but it's not. I just don't see how it's going to be. So, so the best case scenario for United, I mean, I I'm almost taking today out of the equation. It's not, this isn't really. I mean, I'm saying it's not being influenced at all by today. Of course, it is because that just happened and. You know, humans are influenced by things. But in totality, it really depends what we do in the next three weeks in the transfer market. Because if United are relying on their first 15 even, or let's say 13, which it probably currently is about that, uh, we've got massive problems. We've got massive problems as soon as one or two key players get injured. I mean, if if Martial got injured... That's not a total disaster because you play Greenwood there. But then you play Greenwood there, you've got to play Dan James on the right. And that is currently a total disaster. Luke Shaw, we're hoping for a miracle with Luke Shaw if he's going to play left back all season and suddenly be good. He's not good defensively. He's not good going forward. That's where he's currently at. But that's where he's been at for the last six years. So that's what we're going to get. I don't know about six, but for a good while anyway. And um, uh, right back... I, I don't have a problem with having a defensive right back if you compensate for that elsewhere, but that's a big if. Centre back's a massive issue. So we're relying on the front, the, the the magic five, backed up by an Emmanuel Matic whose swings between best of and worst of are absolutely spectacular. So really then it becomes about what are the because I agree with you, I don't think fourth is negative. I think fourth is a borderline optimistic and what we're really hoping for is the quality in the United squad especially in terms of attacking players will be enough to keep our heads above like Wolves probably aren't taking a big step forward this season but maybe they won't take such a big step back either maybe um Spurs I I think it'd be an absolute miracle if Spurs keep it together for a whole season given the way that maniac operates like <laughs> i say this very kind of i always kind of thought this was the case or I've thought this was the case for a long time and like i think we're going to do some backers content around all or nothing and uh there's yeah i think we have very good reason to believe that spurs are not going to be okay this season um 
Arsenal are the team that properly worry me. And this is this is reactive. It's a big shout. They've got problems too, but they look incredibly well coached. They just they look like they've they got better and better yeah. and better under him. And, uh, and and we can we can come back to this if they do define the sign the if they do sign the defensive midfielder that they really need. That's going to make a big difference. Now they obviously don't have the cash right now. They're trying to get rid of Guendouzi by the looks of it. Maybe yeah, they is are. It. Yeah. <laughs> Um, in order to fund that, but if they can pull that deal off, then that will definitely strengthen them. They've brought in two central defenders uh, this season. Gabriel, we saw, looks a decent player. Don't know much of him, don't watch a lot of French football. Um, and they've got William Saliba, uh, the young uh, Saint-Étienne player, who lots of people rate very highly. So, you know, it looks like they've done some good deals there. And yes, they are coached by someone who may well have identified many of their problems and wants to sort it out. Yeah, and and you know Fulham are clearly. I mean, I think you said is nine minutes too soon into the season. Obviously, you were joking. Just to clarify this for anyone that wouldn't know that, but is nine minutes too soon into the season to say that Fulham are going to go down? Oh, but but, but it, was I though? Was yeah, I? exactly. Because it kind of looked like nine minutes was long enough to go. Mm, yep, yeah, think Scott Parker's Fulham are not going to be able to. I mean, they 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 are promoted way ahead of where they should be, really. Anyway, but that's. They didn't. They were obviously a not a good team, but Arsenal just scythed through them, and they they played. They, some of their goals was just really nice build up and attacking play. And Aubameyang signing a new contract is a massive, massive deal for them because he is just pure quality. He's he's he is a complete difference maker of a player. So I I think my my one hot take for this is that Arsenal are a massive threat to Man United's fourth place. They, they could be. You know what you're going to get out of William? He's, he's a solid... I mean, again, they've had to bite the bullet and give him a long contract for an older player, but uh, you're going to get seven out of ten performances from him every week. And and Pepe, well, who knows? You know, 70 million odd was obviously ridiculous last season, but but maybe Arteta gets something out of him. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, but yes, I, I do think... I think you're right. I think they're a threat. Wolves would be about same same, but they finished seventh in two seasons running, so they're obvious, you know, and they're a good, well coached side. We know what we're going to get from them. Uh, they're not in Europe this time round, right? So no, they're not. Spurs I think you're are. right. Yeah, yeah. So they they will have fewer of those pointless games that they're playing, and that will probably help them. Still working with a, a fairly small squad, and they may well have signed half of Portugal by the time the window closes. As well, so yeah. The other team that we should definitely talk about. I mean, this is definitely recency bias, um, but I think that Carlo Ancelotti's Everton. I mean, and uh, what's his name? I can't remember the name of the owner, but his Everton have finally had a good summer because I think Alan Moshi. I think that's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, if we'd signed. Alan and James Rodriguez, I'd feel way better about our season than I currently do. Like both of those players, I would have been more than happy if United had signed them. Yeah, I mean, um, James, James has, uh, he's gone to Everton because, well, one, he knows Ancelotti, but it's, it's not enough because his star has fallen a lot, you know. Of course, yeah. Did did nothing at Madrid and nothing at, um, at Bayern either, really. I mean, I'm being hard, but Very. he had one good season at Madrid. That's basically it. Uh, and that's why he's ended up at Everton. But maybe he's going to find his 
his role in life. I mean, he scored a lovely goal today. Uh, was very good against Spurs on the opening weekend. And and you know, Ancelotti's getting a tune out of this team. We'll we'll, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. Um, so long, I, I, so I'm a big season. fan of um, there being a multitude of Brazilian players with very uh, English first names in the in the Premier League these days. Alan, Fred, there's <laughs> there's, uh, there's a few others, I believe. Yeah, it's good. Well, Richarlison isn't quite, but it's almost. It'd be, it'd be good if his name was Let's just Richard. Let's just call him Ricky. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I'm not... I, we'll see if Carlo Ancelotti's joyful Everton can can close the gap. I mean, they finished 12th last season, so it's a, a big way to go. But early signs are good for them, but very early in the season, obviously. That's not. I'm. I'm not quite going out on a hot take limb like a, I am with Arteta's Arsenal. Um, uh, so, yeah, but I think that United. I don't know if United will finish fourth. I hope so. I think a huge amount depends on what we do. If we get in a left back, I'll go with fourth. If we don't get in a left back, I think we're gonna. Fin- if we don't get in two more reasonable quality players, I'm saying sixth. United yeah. this season. 538 model has United uh, finishing fourth beyond Leicester, who we didn't actually mention, did oh, yeah. we? Um, who lost Chilwell, uh, but I mean, they, they uh, brought in uh, Thomas Cassignan, uh, Belgium left back from uh, Atalanta, who's a very right. attacking left back. So that should be fun. Um, and, and yeah, we'll see, we'll see with them. Uh, I had a look at spread betting, betting markets earlier this week as well, and I think it basically has United about there as well. So, I mean, I think it will be pretty disappointing if uh, the club doesn't finish in the top four again, but mm. I'd be shocked if we're higher than fourth, honestly. And and I, I just, you know, and we, we can revise this on the uh, 5th of October or whenever yeah. the window shuts. Uh, Absolutely. And have another take then. But as it stands... So we do a little thing that we do every year and do a few predictions around big competitions in football in the world. And um, it's a World Cup year, isn't it, as well? Because Champ- Euros, life. Euros, not World Cup. Oh, yeah, no, we're not quite in 2022 yet. Oh, wait, no, it's the yeah, Euros. Yeah. That, well, that's going to... So the Euros will be... This season's so compressed because you can't extend it. Whatever happens, the Euros got to happen. And then the season after... It uh, should be okay... Should be okay, and then the season after that is completely disrupted because of the World Cup in the middle of it. So it's the twenty two twenty three season. Oh yeah, because it's Christmas. Yeah, it's, it's going to be November. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, uh, who's going to win the league? You said City. I'm going to say Liverpool. Boo. Um, who's going to win the FA Cup? No, United. Everton. I go with okay. Everton. I think that's that seems it's, like it's probably not going to be United. We don't win FA Cups anymore. <laughs> just just sadly, once. just once under Louis van Gaal's army. Um, League Cup. Well, City win it every year because yeah. they take it seriously, and they're the yeah. only big team that does. So you're going to go with City. I'm slightly tempted to give that to stupid Jose, stupid Mourinho's. Stupid oh, it could do. Mots, it could but, do. It could do. Yeah, he might no, might have a go at that. I'll go with the boring option and go City. Um, uh, who is going to get relegated from the Premier League this season? Well, I think two are West Brom and Fulham. Yeah. I mean, just looks like they're they're quite a lot short. Um, uh, I mean, again, I looked at the spread betting markets and I think they had leads there, but they look... I mean, obviously, they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, look like they ship a few goals. <laughs> it's bonkers game today. It was probably even more bonkers than the one against Liverpool. 
Um, it's so I, wrong. Know, there's, it seems so... there's enough there. Um, Villa, Villa is an interesting one because because they've they've made a couple of signings, haven't they? I mean, signed Jack Grealish, brought in a forward. They might sign Serge, Flappy Serge from us. Ollie Watkins. I mean, it's a big gamble bringing someone out of the championship. Um, because because you know it doesn't often work out, but we'll see. And you know, spend a lot of money on him. Um, you know, data's Ollie Watkins says that he shoots a lot and will score goals. So we'll see if he can. Um, if West he can... Ham, though, the negativity surrounding West Ham right now is spectacular. So I hope it's them. Yeah, I I, I am going to go with West Brom, West Ham, and uh, Fulham. Uh, I I think that uh, data's Ollie Watkins. If he can get like fifteen goals, Villa are almost like guaranteed safety in a way not quite but i don't mean that literally but you know given what they had last season and Grealish and all that stuff so um yeah uh, those are those are my three champions um, league yeah i can't you've got to care about that one now i mean you know, we all thought can't. it was the, the europa was where it's at it may well be again next season or maybe the european conference <laughs> UEFA conference I can't. Uh, look, I can't. I don't know how anyone doing an actual prediction based on like trying to guess with. Obviously, it's a complete guess thing. But how does anyone go? Oh no, I don't think it'll be Bayern Munich this year. Here are three good reasons why <laughs> yeah, it won't no, be Bayern Munich. I know. Yes, it's it's most likely Bayern, isn't it? I mean, the interesting thing is Real have not done any deals so far. They they're trying to ship plays out. I mean, they have this uh, salary cap system in in Spain, which is causing them and Barcelona Barcelona a problem. Barcelona, absolute hot mess. E, we haven't talk even about talk- him at all. Yeah, amazing. What a summer! He tried to walk. He just tried to be like, man, I'm I can go right. I'm just allowed to leave, and they're like, no, you can't leave. And he's like. I want to. And his dad, my dad said I was allowed. <laughs> yeah, well, he said the president, Bartomeu, had said he could. Yeah, never believe a politician. Okay? Lesson learned. Have it in in writing. Yeah. It was really good when Messi tried to leave Barcelona and then the police tried to arrest Bartomeu for corruption because they was like, right, listen, if you are going to let this man leave our club, we are literally going to throw you in jail. Not metaphorically, we're going to take away your freedom for doing this. Good, as, as it should be. Uh, can they, can, uh, do they have a beat around Manchester at all? <laughs> <laughs> sort out some executives. Uh, yes, and no, very, very fair to point out that uh, obviously the winners of the Champions League will be Bayern and Europa League can't be severe because they're in the Champions League, I think. Oh, no, no, no. They can finish third oh, in their yeah, group. Oh, yeah, they can finish so, third in their group, yeah. Uh, uh, Sevilla are going to finish third in their group and win the Europa yeah. League. Right, I mean, next season, when the conference in, is in play, you could play in three different European competitions in the... Uh, <laughs> No, because once you get relegated into the Europa League, no, no, it's no, too no, late. There's going to be a, no, no, there's a cascading system they're bringing in. Yeah, <laughs> all these tricky reds going to be pioneers. Oh, um, where I, no, we... I, I hope it's uh, Jose's uh, spur. I mean, Joe. I mean, they've got. To be, they're not getting, getting in the Champions League. They're they're playing League Cup and um, and uh, Europa League back to back in two weeks running. Uh, he's uh, like as soon as they lose the game it's going to be absolutely magic when they lose to FC Plovdiv in Bulgaria and whoever they're playing in the, the League Cup they uh, nearly lost to FC Plovdiv they rec- they yes, needed yes, that's they right, needed a goal see. from Tangi Lamele to yeah. win that so game so whoever they're playing in the next round who I've forgotten yeah uh, yeah anyway the- we, we should probably leave it there because it's yeah. an hour and 20 minutes into this but uh, yes United 4th in both the men and the women's, I'm going to say, 
Um, I'll go with third in the women's. Ooh, you're going to think they're they're going to topple Arsenal. Yeah, because I mean they've big, got big shout. Yeah, big shout. I can't remember the name of the unbelievably good striker that Arsenal Vivian have got. Midema. Yes, that's it. So they're probably not. Anyway, all right, yeah, fourth and fourth. You've talked me into it. No, I don't think they're going to finish fourth. The men's team. I think we're going to finish sixth. So, oh. and I'll I'll revise that if um, if we uh, if we sign some players, and maybe we'll maybe we've got some good players as it is, but they're going to need to be very fit for a long time. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. We're going to have to be very fit for a long time because oh my god, we've got to do two of these a week for an entire season of what's going to be a heck of a roller coaster. We hope you will accompany us on this. It's going to be fun. I I think. Look, we said. Well, you said this time last year or beginning season of last of season. Season of fun. Just, just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. And this year, we're probably going to be playing some of Europe's best teams. So yes, yeah. let's, let's see what Ollie can pull out. Yeah, Might absolutely. Be some yeah, there'll be some fantastic goals. There'll be some fantastic football. There'll be games where we're unbelievably on song, and that's going to be really exciting. There'll be games where we're flat and limp, and that's going to be really frustrating. And the club will be owned by. Uh, very unpleasant people that don't care about its future and run by quite personally pleasant people with absolutely no competence to do the job. Um, and and also Edward Woodward. Oh, that's real dig at Ollie. Um, I don't even mean that, but anyway. Um, uh, yeah, so we'll, we shall see what happens. Um, and uh, Patreon backers, stay tuned for... Uh, even more. Yeah, even more content. As we Everyone dive. else, thanks thanks for listening. Yeah, and we'll see you after the Luton Town game. We're back, baby! Thanks for that.